Welcome to the Goodies Pirate Podcast. I'm Richard. I'm Rob. And I'm Tom. And today we're going to talk about the episode Way Outward Bound. Now, there's no Dave today because he has gone way outward bound, but I'm sure he'll be back next week. Way Outward Bound, otherwise known as Outward Bounds or Way Outward Bound at Lock Jaw, was first broadcast on Sunday the 11th of March 1973 at quarter past eight. Now, that's one thing actually we haven't mentioned in so far in this season. These went out much earlier than the first two seasons. They're actually in a pre-watershed time now. Yes. Which maybe shows perhaps where the BBC think the series lies. I thought it was a bit of an interesting one to end the season on. I actually was pleasantly surprised by it watching it back now. I hadn't seen it for a while. And I agree with you. Watching it back for this, I remember it and I thought well, it certainly wasn't on high rotation on the ABC anywhere. And so I had memories of watching it the first time and you always want to hear yeah, like the baby's episode, like the baby's episode. Never got to see it. And then it came back on in, in that latter run towards the end and just watching it then and watching it now is sort of like oh yeah it had all this really good stuff in it it was quite enjoyable it was that was my memory too that it wasn't one the abc had on high rotation quite often it was left out of the repeat runs but Mm. uh what about you rob well watching it back again uh, for the first time in at least 30 years uh, i must have seen it a number of times because there were certain sequences that, that that as they come along I remember that Graham dressed as a girl, the baby sequences towards the end. I, I, look, I know that you've said in previous episodes, Richard, that Tim thought that season three was, wasn't mm. one that, uh, that was very good. Look, it's, I think this is another middling episode, but that's no slight against it. I think, it, I think there's a, a fair few aspects to it that are quite amusing, even when some of those aspects are quite objectionable. Yeah, there probably is a bit of stuff in there I think we'll touch on later under the uh, what you could get away with now. Probably the first 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think there's some stuff a little later too. But, I mean, Way Outward Bound and and the whole thing about the Duke of Glasgow just leading in is obviously a bit of a play on on the Duke of Edinburgh Award, Mm. uh, which was for personal achievement by young persons. (laughs) But we start off, of course, in the office, Graham and Bill half asleep, and obviously sitting there at the table just wanting to have their breakfast and Tim comes in and decides they're going to exercise. Mm. Yes. It's uh, a bit of a random opening sequence, a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I suppose it plays into what happens in the rest of the episode, but it's not something you've ever really seen before. No, but we've often commented previously that uh, that Graham's physical comedy is quite funny, but when you see Tim, I mean, in Winter Olympics, when he's uh, just harking back a few episodes, where he's on the bed doing the, the star jumps. He's quite funny doing it. And th- in this instance here, where, again, he's doing those exercises... And he has to speed up. He yeah. actually does carry that off, you know, in a Graham-esque sort of way. Mm, very true. I think Tim's attitude in this, I think, plays out to the final gag of the episode. So I think that's why this episode's been constructed this way. Mm-hmm. Slightly, yeah, out of, slightly out of character. Yeah, it is a bit, but I, I must, at least he's consistent. Yes, and then, of course, they receive a circular. <laughs> which Please turn over. Yes, put it on. That's what it stands for. <laughs> which, which, of course, where they get to make the joke about Tim being effeminate, well, it says, dear sir or madam, oh, it must be for you, Tim. <laughs> and it's another example of them interacting with a recording. I think we saw that uh, in an earlier episode where Bill was talking to the, 
the recording and, and again they do it this time yeah and it was also in last episode in, in for those in peril on the sea where tim rings the, the palace yes and of course there is a little side gag there where graham positions the little dog <laughs> next to next to the gramophone <laughs> which was conveniently placed for him to pull out and of course we have the self-destructing message yes Mission Impossible, I suppose. Very much so, yeah. Mission Impossible. So now, of course, they're offered the chance to round up some children for money, which leads us into the next sequence. Yes, Kitty Winkies. I find it amusing. I find it very amusing. I mean, they come in with the cage and the kids are running around and Tim's got the, the megaphone sort of thing and Kitty Winkies and, you know, bring out your kids. Look, it's terrible because it's basically child stealing, but it's done in a safe environment. They're not really going to do anything to the kids. And they won't get away with it because the kids overpower them too. Yeah, they reverse yeah. and the kids chase them out. So yeah, well that's the thing. But yeah, it's uh well I'm sure we'll touch on it later about some stuff that you can't do now. <laughs> <laughs> Tim gets to be when they go back to the office, Tim Tim of course gets to be patriotic so long as it's for money. Yes. <laughs> that, that is that the sequence where Tim goes, That's the way to make Britain great again? Yeah, yeah and so he says, a... as, long, as long as British children still want to do it, as long as we're still the greatest nation on earth, and as long as there's still £25 a head. <laughs> yeah, I, I picked, up, picked up on that because of its topicality even today. So, yes, unintentional, of course. But, uh... So, of course, they decide they're going to go themselves. And interestingly, this time it's Graham in drag. Yes, yeah, sort of like channeling his inner Centrinians. Gracie. Amazing <laughs> Gracie. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, when you think about it, Men dressing up as women for laughs, it's, it's stupid. I mean, really. But I, I think it, it, it sort of, it, what they're doing here, it, it does work. Because, you know, Graham puts on the voice and takes on the mannerisms. And even though, you know, you wouldn't do it today, within the context of this episode, at least, it's <laughs> amusing, amusing. It is. I, I think it, it probably leads into some uh, slightly questionable material when they actually get to Lockjaw. Yes. I think. But, of course, they do get to Lockjaw. Now, we have a return appearance from Joan Sims yep. from Come Dancing. Yes, a different role this time, though. Yeah, as, as a matron. As opposed to... Delia last... Capone. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a much more sedate performance from her, isn't it? Until we get to the end. Well, yeah. of course, yeah. But up until then, she's more reserved. Except when she's interacting with Bill. Yes. <laughs> and, of course, we have uh, we have Bill Fraser. Is he, is he doing a... A William Hartnell ripoff of the well, name. And well, stuff. he actually replaced William Hartnell in the Army game. Ah, okay. When Hartnell quit, he replaced him, and and it is very much that sort of performance. So the early sixties, we're in the early seventies. So the, the audience, there'd be an audience recognition factor there. Oh well, he he's in a lot of stuff. He tends to play, does a lot of comedy, and I think he tended to play soldiers, policemen, mm. authority mm. type figures. He's got a face for it, I suppose. So I think. I mean, look. We're Doctor Who fans, so of course, Meg Loss and uh, K-9 and company. He plays a recurring character in Rumpole. He'd worked with a lot of comedians like Eric Sykes, Frankie Howard, Tony Hancock. Mm. So what, what did we think of them? I thought Bill Frazier gave an absolutely over-the-top performance that was actually perfect for that role and what he uh, had to do. I thought it was a little bit too over-the-top and it sort of strayed into too knowing sort of thing it sort of dragged me out of, of what, what I was watching the, the bit I had with it probably is that the bit at the end where he suddenly has the revelation that you can use guns to hurt, hurt people, people. <laughs> I thought that probably was a bit silly I, I particularly considering the previous scene they'd actually been chasing the goodies around shooting at them mm. while they went over the assault course but 
I thought he was okay. It's a very writ large performance. Yeah, very, yes. Well, again, I think if they're playing off that, you know, knowledge of him being in the army game, where he's sort of, mm. I suppose, a, a loud, forceful uh, army or soldier, mm. um, that's that's understandable. I mean, it's sort of in the same vein if you watch it. Ain't half hot moments. Uh, Windsor Davies probably as, as the sergeant major there, mm. who's just very loud, very bombastic. Yes. Well, it's, it's just a, it's a staple or a trope mm. of you know army shows or army movies. I mean, you, you even see it in Kubrick's uh, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just one of those things that you almost expect. We move on, and of course they start their training. Now, initially they're assigned to patrols. Mad Mitch Patrol, yes. John Wayne Patrol, and again, a Spyro Agnew joke. Yes. Spyro Agnew Patrol. Now, Mad Mitch was the nickname of Lieutenant Colonel Campbell Mitchell, who distinguished himself by his bravery during the British actions at Aden. I believe he was also one of the inspirations for, again, a Doctor Who reference. He was one of the inspirations, I think, for Lesbridge Stewart. Okay. I believe. Yeah, I didn't know that. Which would have been a year later in, yeah. in terms of the invasion. Yeah, well, that's right. Aiden was 67, so... Yeah. Yeah. He later went on, I think, to become an MP. So they go out and they start on their training, which, of course, takes us to the first main filmed sequence. What do we think of that? I don't think that's as funny as the latter filmed sequences that they have. Mm-hmm. The attempt of escape, I think, is far more clever than the first one. I guess it allows them to do some visual gags. Mm. A note I have here is that the stretching pigtail sequence is where Bill hurts himself. He actually hurt his hand. He got his hand caught in the the mechanism to extend the pigtails. Okay. Yes, and and receive medical assistance from one Dr. G. Garden. (laughs) (laughs) I found that sequence actually quite funny. I I didn't mind them being chased by men shooting at them. It's over the top, of course. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was fine. And, And even the gag with grabbing onto Graham's pigtails and then being stretched out. I mean, it's, you know, it's a bit silly, but it, it does the job and makes you sort of chuckle. So, no, I didn't mind it. As I said, it allowed them to do some visual gags. I guess it's there to demonstrate how brutal a place is. It doesn't really probably advance the plot that much. No. But it, it fills five minutes. It does. I did note in that sequence, just before they get to the wall, and there's the explosion that goes off basically on top of Graham. Mm. I don't know whether that's an edit. If it is, it's a very, very good one. Otherwise, they basically detonate an explosive right on top of him. I suppose it would be worthwhile actually doing some research and finding out how those mechanisms work and what it is, what constitutes the explosive and what it is that they're sort of they're blowing into them. I did slow it down on the rather grainy copy I had. There is definitely a, at least a small charge goes off as Graham runs over the top of it. Now, whether they then jump to the main explosion, I don't know, but that is very well done, that bit. Mm. Look, I mean, and we've touched on it before, we, you have to take your hats off to all three of them for their willingness to put themselves through a great amount of ordeal in terms of those outside broadcast sequences. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of running, there's a lot of throwing themselves right into it, falling, mm. pratfalls, you know, uh, explosives as we've just discussed. It it is it's something that would not happen today. The, the insurance people, the lawyers, would be all over it. But I mean, it really shows their dedication and madness, frankly. So. <laughs> We then have the next sequence where they go to bed and nature on the nice <laughs> wooden bed offers to nail them in. That's right. We wouldn't want to be any softy wafties now, would we? <laughs> John Sims is actually really good in that sequence. Yeah, I thought she was. Then the bit where she's playing off against Bill, where he says, you know, kiss a kiss, kiss a kitty, you know, gives the other two a knowing wink. <laughs> Which, if you take the narrative seriously, she's an adult, he's a boy. A 14 year old boy. I'm William, miss. I'm 14, miss. <laughs> I'm sure we'll touch on it later, but it is yeah. it, it is one of the many problematic things in this story. So. 
but the fact that they're not the age they're pretending to be. Indeed. True, true. And then, of course, yes, they go through the rest of their training in inverted commas. Yes. The main revelation here, obviously, is that we discover the babies. Yes, and yes. Matron's really in charge. Yes. When she does her main speech, yeah. she apparently had to resort to the idiot board for that. She apparently, that. Yeah, apparently she said that speech just wouldn't stick. It, I've read or heard before that she's, she complained that the, the, the speeches that, that she was given were mm. quite long and a problem to remember. Doesn't really come across, I didn't think. No, but no. certainly not. It's certainly a very convincing sort of domination yeah. speech. I made a note here that her speech is actually very effective. So if, yeah. she, if she was reading off cue cards, that, that's she's really a professional to carry it off. Yeah. yeah, that's really well done. Did you note where Graham, at, I think it's at the point where he says, Genghis Khan, Attila the Hun, I've even trolled it myself. Yes. Yeah, that's a callback to Pirate Radio goodies. I, yeah, I think so. And that's... I think the audience picked up on that as well and, 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 and yeah. the laughs and appreciated Yeah, no, yeah. that's one that I had a note for as well. It's, I think, almost, well, one of the rare instances of a continuity reference within the show, mm. back to a previous episode. Is that more of a callback to only two episodes, three episodes ago, Black Magic? That was Graham trying to take Oh, yes, of one. course, Graham wanted... Yes, Graham was going to rule the world. He was the ultimate power. Well, yeah. you know, I, may have, I may have gone back too far. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go, but I suppose it shows he's at least tried it a couple of times, which, of course, becomes a bit of a Graham trope later on. Yes. I did have the note here. I found Bill Fraser's uh, sudden, as I said, revelation that guns weren't for just discipline, but looking smart when you do drill. They were for hurting people. I, I did find that a little forced, but it obviously also shows really where the three goodies are in terms of, of the military. Bill is quite clear that, you know, guns are for killing and hurting people. Mm. The army's rough and it's nasty. Mm. Um, that, that quite clearly comes across there. But we then obviously get into the final sequence where they try to escape. Yes. <laughs> and they had lots of fun with that one. Yeah, I'm going to say, for, for what are essentially mannequins of babies, mm. that is a really, really effective and well-done sequence. I thought that was really well put together. I thought that that was probably the most inventive filmed sequence that they've done, if not in a little while, then ever. Mm. I think it, it just takes all those tropes of you know babies and, and, and prams and all that sort of thing, and dummies or pacifiers, as someone would call them, and uses them to really good effect. And, and puts it in a military context. Yeah, yeah I thought that was really, really and well even, done. I don't know how the dummy, not oh, sorry, the, the, the baby dummies work, but there appears to be a clockwork element to mm. it, and they, they, they move a little bit. They were, they looked a little bit realistic, and they, they obviously they didn't move realistically, but they moved, and there was, mm. like, it was it helped make that particular sequence. Yes, when they were crawling and all the, all the components, and you had the rattle as the grenade, and yeah, you know, it just took everything. It militarised the life of the baby. I actually had a, a note here also, the more explosions, where, they, where they've dropped down on the ground. Look, I don't doubt there are dummies probably for part of it, but where the plane flies over and it's dropping the explosive milk bottles on them, mm. the end bit of that is definitely them, because they get up and run off, and that doesn't seem to be a cut. Mm. So again, they're obviously lying there while there's explosions and stuff being detonated right around them, mm. which was quite interesting. The other note I did have, the, the song for this bit was actually quite, I found that really quite catchy. Run? No, 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 the other one, the, the Taking Over song. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I had a little note. That, that was actually, I found that quite catchy. Nothing sticks in the memory like Run. Run, that's probably their biggest song that never got put on a record. Really? Yeah, they, no, they never released it on one of the albums. No, and the thing um, is, it's actually only in about five or six episodes. Yeah, but the thing is, there's a couple of songs that do link out, but Run's probably the one, the most pervasive that made yeah. to the most 
number of episodes no, other than I, needed. I, I think no. I think needed. And and we did comment we were really getting sick and needed yeah, by the yeah, end of the that's, <laughs> that's true. But Run never made it to, to the album, but the only people that actually covered was Spiderbait, who's an Australian alternate rock band. Yes, that's actually, right. We mentioned that, didn't we, earlier? Yeah, and I believe we'll they actually got that by just listening to it over and over again until they got the chords, I yeah. think. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we did discuss that, yeah. And yeah, the video clip is actually the three of them dressed as the goodies, yes. running, running around recreating goodie scenes. Yeah, but no, I quite, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Run as a, uh, yeah, no, as a song. It's, it's the one that sticks in the, well, other than Needed, of course, which yeah. is like an earworm, so. <laughs> you need that as deep into you, your brain. You need that as your ringtone. To like, <laughs> oh, needed. God, no. So, of course, we then have the final scene where they're back in the office with the rescued babies. Mm. Tim gives them a speech in their own language. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I thought was he's quite... The, he's the 11th Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, which, which I thought was quite clever, particularly the bit where he's, he's sitting there talking and Graham jumps in with the next line. He's like, no, no, I haven't finished. Mm. Um, I thought that was quite funny. But uh, again, it's not really an ending. It's just sort of Tim going nuts at the end and the other two sort of jumping up to, to put a milk bottle in his mouth. Mm. No, yeah, true. it just sort of stopped, doesn't it? Yeah. Even though Tim's uh, sort of musing speech about wanting to you know, he could take over the world. If I rule the world! Again, again <laughs> on, the paper, on paper, that can just fall flat. Yeah. It's the performance that brings that to it, life. It is. I thought he was really, really good. That that was a great performance there at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was. From him. One of the few times that Tim actually took that controlling take-over-the-world role. Whereas Tim turns bad. Yeah. So, certainly the first one. Yes. Oh, I suppose unless you count Hunting Pink where he develops a bloodlust. But oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We got anything else to say before we move into our regular segments? Nope. No. Nope. Ads. There wasn't any. There weren't any. No. Yes. Does the absence at this point signal the, be- the beginning of winding down the appearance of ads? Uh, well, it is across this season. There's, there's, what, this one, Hunting Pink, and uh, that old Black Magic that have no ads. So three out of the six. Yeah, and there's no ads in Superstar. No. And then there's only limited ads in season four. Okay. So, so you sort of almost get to the point yeah. maybe where they're, they're either starting to run out of ideas or they're just getting tired of it, perhaps. Maybe it's, it's just also difficult because you, you probably have to have a special amount of time set aside. It's a new set. It's a new idea. Uh, That's maybe the thing. It adds a lot of extra pressure on the yeah. filming. Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Okay. So no ads. What couldn't you get away with today? I think... Pretty much the the henchmen's attitudes. Yeah, that that was a bit creepy. That as soon as they hear Gracie's seventeen, that the henchmen all sort of do that lunge forward. There, yeah. there is an unfortunate undertone, I thought anyway, in the early part of the, the episode of a, of children and, and sexuality. Mm. Gracie is basically a target, as you said, for those men behind the thing, and there's the and, and Bill and... Bill Fraser makes the comment, oh, "I'll save you for later." And, yeah. uh, and, and and the sort of interaction between Bill and, and, and Joan Sim. Mm. And even even the idea of kitty winkies and, and stealing children is amusing. I don't know that even in the 70s it's something that you, should, you know, could, could, could make a joke about. Yeah, I, well, I, I, I think you'd struggle with the stealing and, kid and, stuff and, now. As a joke, no, definitely not. No. No. That's all you were going to say? Oh, it was just down there. I think it's more the case that, you know, it was never about some of the kids. It was because the opening part of the episode of Tim was about the exercise and the Britishness and, you know, we get the kids enrolled in good schools and healthy, clean stuff. That's the way that I think they try to target that rather mm. than... The, the problem is they roll up with a cage. Yeah. Uh, 
which is a nice visual, but again, you're stealing children. Yeah. Yes. At the end of the day, yes. Yeah. Yeah, you're putting them in a cage. You're not convincing them on the merits. You're basically them <laughs> into a cage. And the whole Gracie thing is really disturbing. Really disturbing. Yeah. I mean, look, there's, it's kind of funny whether the three of them are having the bit of the interplay about, you know, she's never 17 and you're not even wearing a bra or yeah. whatever, and I don't want to be called Amazing Gracie. But the line of Bill coming in and saying we're knackered uh, when they're talking to Matron, that, that was cut here because you're not allowed to say that apparently at the time. Yeah. I did also have a note about OH&S, which I think we've covered off, mm. which leads us to tropes. We touched on it. One of the goodies going mad, at least for a yep. portion. Yep. Tim is obviously given the very, uh, he's the patriot and establishment figure, and it's all about making Britain great and getting kids involved in healthy activities. Yes. Otherwise, there's not, that's about it, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Bill, obviously, is, again, he's the pacifist anti-establishment figure yeah. in this. Mm. I think, but no, I didn't really have anything else there. Which leads us to favourite gag. I've got two. One was the matron just going, I'll just nail you in. Or, <laughs> no, I'm not enjoying it, and yes, I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite good. Nice wordplay there. Yeah. Well, two things. Even though I thought treatment of Graham as a girl is objectionable, putting that aside, it is funny. So yep. It is funny. His performance is quite funny, actually, when he's in girl mode. But Tim musing, if I ruled the world, right at the very end, it just struck a, a note with me. I, I quite enjoyed that. Okay. There's a bit with Graham when he's the girl, and he's clearly not paying attention, and the matron says, what about you, little girl? He's like, pardon? <laughs> oh, sorry, miss. I did get a laugh there. And probably where Tim's ordering the babies, and he says, babies, bring up the... Wait for it, wait for it. I did like that too. Yes. So there we have it. Now, next week, we're back with Superstar, which is a special goodies episode. So until then, let's take a walk in the Black Forest. You've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes. So please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on Facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum. Sir or madam? Oh, it's for you, Tim. Oh, <laughs>